Hi, everybody. Today, I am interviewing my friend Cheryl Fouder, who is a registered midwife, certified homeopath, and an integrative health coach with focus on the childbearing year. She's a practicing midwife who has empowered hundreds of clients throughout their pregnancy, their birth, and the first year postpartum. Her signature brand, Your Thriving Pregnancy, is helping to make midwifery mainstream by bringing pregnant moms and women together so that clients discover their innate power and confidence, flourish through every transition, and celebrate changes with a community. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Welcome, Cheryl. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me, Ruth. I think that your listeners are going to enjoy this fascinating conversation between us. I absolutely agree, too. You're fascinating. I love everything that I've seen about you. And I, um, you have this five-day challenge that we'll talk about in a little bit. But tell me, what is a midwife? A midwife is a healthcare provider. We are the primary healthcare providers for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. We also serve um, women and teens through menarche and menopause. So we can support um, women and people with uteruses <laughs> through uh, menarche, through menopause, but particularly during that childbearing year is where most people associate midwifery. So I was not aware, Cheryl, that you could help people like people going through menopause. I didn't, didn't know those went together. Mm -hmm. That is new to me. It wow. is. It is part of our scope of practice. Um, I would definitely say that we, um, especially in the United States, we don't practice our full scope of practice. In other countries, we definitely get to practice, um, you know, we do more well well person care, well woman care. We support women throughout their entire um, childbearing years. Uh, but in the United States, our scope of practice is uh, just severely uh, moderated. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. Well, what are the basics of how you help um, someone who's pregnant or about to get pregnant or that, that year? Yeah, tell me more about that. Sure. Um, yeah, so we, um, so I can start seeing people as soon as they get pregnant, um, or even if they have fertility challenges, particularly also I have the certified homeopathy, the health coaching. Um, and so being able to support people through fertility is something that um, I've done as well. But when somebody hires me as a midwife, I've had people hire me as early as four weeks, like they literally just found out. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have access to all the same labs and tests. Um, 
pregnancy, birth, and postpartum are a normal physiological event in a person's life. Um, and we all know that there are times that things aren't normal, just like we don't tell our menstrual cycles when to happen. Um, and yet there are times when people have abnormal menstrual cycles. So um, midwifery is all about supporting what is normal and functional and helping people um, connect to their pregnancies in an um, optimal way, really. Yeah, so, and, and the pregnancies or the prenatal schedule is very similar to what somebody would experience going to an obstetrician's office where they see the provider every four weeks, every two weeks starting at 28 weeks and every week starting at 36 until the baby comes. <laughs> oh. yeah. What's your favorite, favorite part about being a midwife? My favorite part um, about being a midwife is that I get to support this um, woman or person if they don't identify as a woman, but this, this woman through this huge transformation that they're experiencing. Um, I just, I love that piece of it. Um, like they're literally transforming from the inside out they're growing another human. Um, they're changing, their brain uh, is changing, uh, their physiology, their body is changing. Um, and being able to guide and support people through that experience, um, you know, their pregnancy, the birth, and the postpartum. It, I, I went to school I got my master's degree in resilient leadership and we talked a lot about like rites of passage and moving through the threshold of a huge transformational experience. And that is midwifery. That is what I get to do on a regular basis. And it's just such an honor to be able to be a guide and travel that path with people. Yes, I, yes. So how did you get started? How did, how did this happen for you? What's your path? Oh my goodness. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because when I was a little kid, I used to get migraines and I had the aura migraines where like I would, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out that not everybody saw the trees like vibrating and like colors around everything. So I was kind of like, oh, that's a unique experience for me. Got it. Um, but pregnant women during that time, pregnant women just radiated this really brilliant bright energy. And so as a little girl, I was like a little intimidated by that. I was like, oh my goodness. They're just like, they're so energetic. They're so vibrant. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so I, um, anyway, I, I grew up, I'm an only child. I was never around pregnancy and birth. I was never around breastfeeding. Um, and I started to become a homeopath when I moved here to Boulder. I live in Boulder, or near Boulder, Colorado. And I went to school for homeopathy. And during that time while I was in school, I realized that homeopathy wasn't the complete career for me, that there was just something else. And you know, becoming a naturopath actually would have been a very easy transition for me because I already had a huge background in supplements and herbs and things like that. But I was sort of like, well, I could become like a pediatrician. I love working with babies and parents. And so I was just kind of letting that ponder. And this 
loud, strong intuition came to me that said, you should do this with midwifery. And it was very authoritative. <laughs> and I'm like, who me? <laughs> and, you know, when intuition comes through that strongly and clearly, you do not ignore it. And Amen. Uh, I know, right? I've, I've, that's <laughs> happened a couple of times for me. And there's no, there's no, there's no turning back. No, <laughs> there's no saying no. Exactly, right? You try, it's like, boom, hit you in the face again. You're like, oh, okay. So now I love to hear that because I feel like sometimes I'm the only one. So I, yeah. love, I love that. No, so that, how, that message go, came through very, very clear. So yeah, I'm I started looking for midwifery schools. I'm going to go down that road. How did you hear that? Oh, <laughs> well, I have to say I was in a study group for my homeopathy class and I was, like I said, I had kind of been questioning what I wanted to do with homeopathy. And, you know, I had done some research, I had looked up some things, but I was really just letting it ponder and not concentrating too hard on it, not overly, I mean, I'll, I'll get focused. I was researching naturopathic schools and things like that. I was kind of like, what's available, what's around? Um, but there aren't any here locally or there weren't at the time. Um, so I had to go to Arizona and I was just like, oh, that's a lot. I don't know if that's going to be the right path for me. And, you know, if you're watching the video, I'm kind of like looking up towards the ceiling and there's this moment in time where if, and it, it almost takes practice to get to these moments of time. But if you just let yourself, you know, kind of be curious and calm um, then, then sometimes messages or intuition will just come through in a very organic way. You know, uh, I mean, Einstein talks about this and, and he was very much into like matter. He wasn't really into the quantum. And, you know, if you hear about or read about quantum physics, like Einstein was actually kind of, he didn't really like it because he couldn't explain it, but he did talk about getting intuition or answers to questions when he was not thinking about them, not overly concentrating on anything, you know, maybe in his sleep or in his dreams. And so there's this piece around being in that um, theta brainwave, which if we, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go down that path of neuroscience. I'm a, I'm a amateur neuroscientist. <laughs> Love that. But, uh, but yeah, when you kind of let your brain waves just slow down that, that, that liminal point between waking and sleeping, when you can kind of just let go and release and let answers come to you. And that's, you went down the path you wanted to hear about it. So I that's do. my explanation for it. I love it. I love that. I mean, I, I would love to talk about that more sometime, but I, I just, um, I think a lot of people have that question of how to, you know, even especially when you're pregnant, because there's so, there's so much you're worried about that if you are calm and you trust that it's coming and then you, so there's, there's so much about that rabbit hole. That's, uh, just extremely fascinating. And, um, it's definitely a lot of what I do with the body and like teaching people about listening, listening to themselves, listening in my, you know, I'm a, I believe in God. So for me to listen to God, but so many people don't. And so I'm, I'm totally open to how, whatever, however they perceive what they're going to perceive. And, um, there's a lot of fear around it. And, um, I remember, you know, being pregnant going, 
whoa, like how, wait, <laughs> how is this thing coming out of me? How is it getting, how is it building? How is it growing? Like it was very, uh, it was fascinating and exciting, but scary. Um, but just really, there's such a connection between um, the, the mom and the, and the baby, in my opinion, during that time. And I just felt this, this, you know, huge peace for me. It's as if their spirit is way older than, you know, an infant. And they're talking to me as if, or communicating with me in a way that's um, like their wisest spirit, their wisest self and calming me down. It was really, I had a, I just loved, I loved being pregnant and I thought it was um, just such a fascinating fascinating time. So yeah, but I, I love it. I, I just got totally digressed off that, but I wanted to hear, you know, what you say, because you're into the intuition too. And, and you've to learn how to discern and to listen and to actually take the path that came to you. That's what I think a lot of people miss. They, they go down the path, they hear what they're supposed to do. And then they, and they're like, oh, and they don't recognize that till, you know, maybe months or sometimes years later. So good job for listening. Mm, thank you. So, you know, since the pandemic, like, what are you noticing about pregnancy and anxiety right now? Is that, is that something that I would imagine goes together? Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you even mentioned like when you were pregnant, like, you know, it's scary and there's worries and anxieties almost built into it. Um, I think particularly in our society, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and unknown that um, has been perpetuated over decades, generations, really. I mean, you know, there was a huge um, anti-midwifery uh, campaign in the early 1900s. I um, didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, another yeah, rabbit hole. <laughs> I know, another rabbit hole. I love that conversation. But yeah, it's, you know, there was a direct and intentional campaign against midwives in the early 1900s. And, you know, switching into a setting that at the time was not safe, um, you know, the hospitals were not safe, uh, doctors were not practicing in safe ways, which created then a lot of fear um, and then there's a lot of experimental medicines happening uh, in the first half of the, the 1900s. So like from 1900 to 1950, essentially, you know, twilight sleep, four set deliveries, um, uh, cesareans were becoming a new thing, not hygienic, um, doing autopsies and then delivering babies. Like there were practices that were happening in the hospitals that were not well, that were not treating women and babies well. Um, and then it sort of got it sorted itself out in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And now our hospitals are much more hygienic, thank you. <laughs> and cesareans are safer procedure. Um, and yet we still do a lot of interventions that aren't as necessary. So my whole point of this is that it has created a, a lasting fear in our society around childbirth and around pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. Um, and maybe not even postpartum, but that's the part where we actually really need community. We need people around us and we need that village to support our, our postpartum experience. Um, 
but pregnancy is really one of those times when um, there's already a lot of stress, already a lot of fear. And then with the pandemic, it just made everything so much more heightened. You know, what happens if I get sick during pregnancy? Um, what happens if um, I can't have my partner at the hospital with me? What happens, you know, if this and this, and, and so it just added a significant amount of wor worries and fears onto clients. Um, and so I definitely noticed that in my practice and other midwives I've talked to noticed that in their practices as well, that, you know, the anxiety level increased. And while all that was happening, it's almost a perfect storm because then of course, um, birth workers like doulas, which if you wanna talk about the difference between midwifery and doula, we can do that too. But uh, doulas would then were not allowed to go with their clients to the hospital. Um, and so then they're getting burnt out, they're getting stressed out, midwives are getting um, overworked, they're getting stressed out and burnt out. And I think we're seeing a lot of the repercussions, um, not just in midwifery and the whole healthcare system, like one in five healthcare workers, I think was the last statistic I saw left healthcare during this time, but we're seeing it in the ways that um, women and babies are being cared for. I, I have to say just as a quick side note, I before the pandemic, I already knew that there wasn't adequate care being taken because 15 minutes with your healthcare provider, um, unless the problem is showing up as numbers on a chart, that I don't think 15 minutes or five minutes with your healthcare provider is adequate time. You know, in no other field, you know, if you're getting your knees replaced, you talk to your healthcare provider more than you talk to your healthcare provider when bringing another life into the world. <laughs> and then for postpartum, you know, the person, the people who are caring for you during your labor are actually the nurses at the hospital. Your OB might walk in for a little bit here and there. And then postpartum, you know, they care for you intensely for 24 hours or for three days. And then you're off on your own until your six weeks postpartum visit, which is, I think, I just am appalled with our healthcare system. And it's why we're 60th in the world. We didn't get to be 60th in the world, you know, because of the pandemic. We didn't get to be 60th in the world because of um, midwives. Like this is, this is because of our modern maternal healthcare system. And so it was already inadequate. Sorry to roll back down to your question, but yeah, I've been seeing a lot more anxiety and fear in my clients. Just, it's like, uh, it's, it's almost like you like look at it and you're like, how is this not just imploding on itself? <laughs> like, how do we not just have like a whole refresh of the system? Oh, that rabbit hole, Cheryl, we should definitely do someday. I mean, that's definitely what I fight, you know, like for me, um, I see the people after they've seen doctor after doctor after doctor and pregnant, pregnant women come in, you know, and they're like my back hurts and they're like, Oh, sorry, here's, you know, oxy and, you know, some just like what? And, um, mm, yeah. yeah, I would love to go down that road. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to find or show people like I was raised on homeopathy, but to show people that there are other ways when 
you've, you've done all the imaging, you've done everything that you're supposed to do, you've done your, your PT, you've done everything and you're still in pain and you don't want to take oxy because you know that's a problem, then, then you're, you're kind of stuck in our society. There's no like, you, you know, and I, I want to stop the stuckness. Let's find, let's get self like uh, um, reliant on, you know, what to do. How can we help, you know, yourselves like breathing and stretch, just the basics. I mean, mainly just the basics at first. And so that's one of my questions, definitely because, you know, this is your body advocate podcast. Like how does a pregnant woman, how important and how can she be the best advocate for her own body and her baby's body, right? She's in, She's got this double duty and possibly her partner's body because they sometimes panic. Mine, mine sure did. <laughs> and, you know, I had yeah. to, uh, you know, we have to support each other. And, um, but yeah, how given, you know, six weeks, I had postpartum pretty bad. Um, yeah. Both kids. And it is uh, alone. Um, it's definitely, I feel you're telling me different right now, but I felt like it had gotten a little better. But just like last week was uh, the mental health, mental wellness or um, awareness week. And that we just, you know, postpartum was seen as this, you know, put your hand up and um, ignore these moms, they'll be fine. Um, I, I feel like now you're saying that it's like six weeks after that, it turns out that my OBGYN happens to be one of my best friends. So we were like in contact a lot. So that's, un, I have an unfair advantage. Um, but uh, yes, I agree with you. The, the, it can be very dangerous. So how can a woman how can someone who's pregnant be their best advocate for their body? Yeah, and I'd love to circle back to this conversation around postpartum as well. Yes. But yeah, so how a woman can be the best advocate for her body, her baby, um, her birth is to understand informed decision-making. Um, that is um, a conversation with your healthcare provider and what informed decision-making is, is essentially being able to have a conversation about tests, about procedures, about, you know, just essentially like your care and to be able to get the information that your healthcare provide, provider has because they, you know, they are the expert in their field, right? Like that is why we have healthcare providers, like somebody who has dedicated their expertise to this field and so they should be able to explain to you what are the benefits of this test procedure um, or care, what are the risks of it, what are there, are there alternatives? There might be alternatives, right? Like, let's have a conversation about those alternatives. Um, even some of the screening procedures, there are alternatives to screenings. Um, what are the alternatives? Um, you know, asking the, the patient, the client, what's your intuition about it? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Having a real dialogue between the provider and the, and the client. I prefer clients because they're not sick, but the client. <laughs> I love so, that. I call mine clients too. Everybody that I work with is a client. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So although when I call hospitals or have to get records or something, I have to switch it to patient because that's the language that is commonly used. 
Um, and, and what happens if we do nothing? So, you know, informed decision-making, um, this is the conversation that providers need to be slowing down and having with their, with their patients. Um, and if you are that patient, then this is how you can advocate for yourself is to be slowing the conversation down and saying, hold on, I wanna know, I wanna talk about, you know, what are the benefits, what are the risks, what are the alternatives? You know, I want to, you know, talk to myself, ask myself, ask my partner, what's our intuition about this? And I also wanna know what happens if we do nothing? Um, you know, and this conversation can be had in 99% of cases. Yes, there's the 1% of situations that's a true emergency, something's happening. But even in those true emergencies, your provider should still be able to tell you what is going on and what they're doing about it. Um, there was this great book I read years ago called Verbal First Aid. And wow, have, have you read it too? I haven't, but that's a good title. Yeah, and basically it's, they're talking a lot more about like emergency situations. If you come up on somebody and, you know, they have a gash in their leg or, you know, kind of that uh, good citizen experience. Um, but even EMS and um, emergency medical services and doctors could be using this to say, you know, what is happening? You have a gash in your leg. I'm going to close the wound and hold pressure on it until we can get to further services. Okay, I've called the, I've called the emergency medical Great. services. They'll be here soon. Your body's gonna stop bleeding and keep this wound like healed until we can get services to you. And so using that kind of language and telling someone else's body like what you're doing, what's happening, like explaining it to, to them as an outside observer, it actually helps the person who's experiencing the situation absorb that things are being taken care of, that, you know, okay, I have this thing happening. My body knows how to take care of it. And again, I'm not trying to be like, just like faith healing or anything like that, but it is a way of helping manage emergencies. Um, and it's sort of using that informed decision-making, you know? Yes. I'm telling you what's going on and we're, this is what we're doing about it. Yeah, so. it definitely calms down the anxiety. I mean, I think yeah. that type of communication with between humans is so important anyway. In my job with athletes, we definitely talk about, um, you know, there's no negative talk about their body. It's always about they're ready for their sport. You feel really strong. I can tell that you're ready. Um, and you know, if there's an injury, it's like, okay, this is how it's going to, when anybody hears what's about to happen, when they have this fear of like absolute death, or I'm going to lose my limb or lose my baby or not ever be able to do a sport again, or whatever their fear is when they hear like the steps, it makes everybody calmer. Mm -hmm. And, um, I agree. I, I, that's a great, I love just the word. I'm going to look up this book and I'll put it in our notes here, but verbal first aid. That's huge. It's so lovely. And I can see how that would really help. It would have helped me when I was pregnant. Like, wait, what? what's happening now? And of course I have an unfair advantage where I had, you know, someone explaining that to me on a daily basis and I was very spoiled, but there's, 
but yeah, there's so much you don't understand when, especially when you're pregnant, because there's, you don't understand like the hiccups or the, why does your, why are you getting puffy or why are you can't smell beef or you can't smell coffee or whatever the, you know, whatever it is that comes up for you that you can't eat, or you're just like, whoa, that's very, uh, like you can't, you know, it's very hard to, um, explain that. So it's nice to have a, 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 you know, a village. Yeah. And I want to back up a little bit too, because that you keep saying like, oh, I had an advantage. I was spoiled. Actually, you just had access to your care provider and had the ability to talk to them, which isn't an advantage or being spoiled. That is what it should be. (laughs) And so, I mean, my clients don't text me about like not being able to, you know, smell what, yeah, like not being able, yeah, this or that, like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about the food aversions and things like that, but we have a full hour for our appointments and taking vitals only takes five minutes. You know, if, if anyone's pregnant listening to this, you know, you walk into the office, you wait for 45 minutes, you go back, you get your vitals taken for five, and then maybe your doctor comes in, says, great, your baby looks good. Let's go or not. Um, so you're there for a full hour, but you're not actually interacting with your provider for a full hour. And like my private clients get me for a full hour and my online coaching clients get two hours with two midwives in a small group setting. So then you get the interplay of other people who are pregnant at the same time. And so like somebody says, oh, I can't smell beef. What is that? You're like, oh, that's an interesting thing. You know, like, so like we all have those kind of, it's a really, um, awesome interaction that we get to have with each other in those situations. And so that's why I just want to like reframe that. Like you weren't spoiled. You actually just had like normal care. (laughs) Like what should be normal? What should be common? And you know what? You bring up a good point. Like I, I didn't know any other pregnant women at the time. So it was just, you know, my husband and my OBGYN, who's a guy. And like, there was, you know, and my mom maybe and like, you know, and a couple of my best friends, but it was a small village, but no one was actually pregnant and no one had had the adverse effects I had had. Um, so, you know, everybody thinks you're crazy or, you know, you're just, you know, it's a, you're different. Your brain is different when you're pregnant. At least mine was. And, um, and it would, it, I can see that absolute lovely benefit of having other, even online for sure online, just this is what I'm going through. Oh, I have that too. Just to have that community, I think is missing in our society in general. Like I don't, I love my neighborhood, but there's, I don't have that, that connection with them as I remember as a young child, like having, you know, big uh, dinners together, having potlucks as a, as a community. And I think that's really missing. And especially since the pandemic, there's another, you know, rabbit hole, Cheryl, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. It's a great conversation because community, we are a social species. Um, We interact with each other, we communicate, um, and we need each other, in all honesty, we're interdependent. um, You know, and that is, uh, yeah, it's just really important. It's just an important part of every, every part of our lives, and particularly through the big transitions. Right, yeah. So what type of coaching do you have? Yeah, so I um, my uh, brand, Your Thriving Pregnancy, 
is a pregnancy um, through postpartum coaching program. So uh, that particular um, that particular brand, it's all online. Um, we have a free Facebook group. People are able to join that. Um, and then we also have, uh, you know, pregnancy topics. We have our membership and um, and our gatherings. So we do online coaching for that. And then I also have another offer that is like for six months plus postpartum um, because the, the circles, which is our signature offer, is six weeks prenatally and six weeks postpartum, but we do it every other week postpartum. And so that takes people all the way about to four months postpartum. So it's this really like lovely, like you're being held in the circle and in this community. Um, it's small group, so it, it's an intimate group. And, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, what if I don't like the people in my group? I'm like, it, we're good facilitators. We will make sure that everyone is cared for, you know, in the group. Um, and so midwives facilitate the groups. And, um, and then once everybody has their babies, because they're all, like the group is everyone who's due at the same time. When everyone has their babies, then they all come back together and you already have that bond and connection. And so when you're like, <laughs> when you're facing the challenges of postpartum, <laughs> then <laughs> you, you have this community that you're already connected to. So it's super lovely. And I've actually heard of, so my offering is a newer, like I, you know, started this two years ago. Um, we've been building momentum for it. But I had a midwife friend who used to do something very similar in person like 30 years ago. And she told me that the people that were in her group are still friends and oh, their wow. kids, because they've grown up together essentially, sometimes like their kids will get married or, you know, like they've been childhood friends forever and just like those deep rooted connections and relationships is really what I'm hoping to cultivate from these circles and, you know, what I'm offering to the world, really. I love that. And then their kids can kind of maybe connect too, because they were, yeah, you know, you know um, loved the same way. And I can absolutely see how that would be. Um, I would, you know, I, I love communities, so I'm always looking for them. Um, so we were talking about what are the tools that can help before or during pregnancy that someone who's pregnant right now or knows someone who's pregnant can walk away with today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so something that somebody can take away today is to really, um, I mean, I'll just go right into that community piece. So finding those communities, um, you know, now that things are opening back up, you know, um, where do other pregnant women hang out? Like, you know, sometimes it's a prenatal yoga class, sometimes it's um, online Facebook community. Um, and so really like gathering around other people who are pregnant and newly postpartum because they have the most wisdom to share in this moment of time. Um, and also your birth team. So, you know, if you're birthing, um, if you're planning a hospital birth, because sometimes people don't make it to the hospitals, but if you're planning one, <laughs> Then hiring a doula, um, if your hospital practice offers midwives, um, that can be a really nice um, 
conjunction with your care um, and hiring a doula. Um, if you've had kids before and you know that like lactation is particularly hard or, you know, the postpartum period is hard, even when it's the second and the third, and even the 10th baby. I mean, I've served families with 10 babies and the transition to even a 10th baby is a transition. It's not just like, um, it's different than the first, but it's, it's still a transition. So, you know, really looking for those communities, um, and then mindfulness is probably my tip number two, is ways to cultivate mindfulness in your day. Um, whether that's, my favorite one is to set your alarm for three minutes. So, you know, just on your phone, just take out your phone and be like, okay, three minutes, I'm gonna sit here and I'm going to listen to my breath. I am breathing in a deep breath. I am breathing out a deep breath. And really do your best to just continue to acknowledge your breath over and over again. And even though our minds get um, excited and want to think about other things, that's totally fine. Like I said, you will have an alarm that will turn off in three minutes, but come back to your breath and be like, okay, thank you thought. Yes, that seems very important. <laughs> I will come back to that later. I'm only here for three minutes. Let me focus on my breath. I am breathing in, I am breathing out. Um, and, you know, people have music, they like to play, things like that as well. Um, but just being able to slow your, your internal state down, like I said, three minutes can make a huge difference. And sometimes we have to take big breaths, you know? <sighs> I'm breathing in a really big, deep breath. I'm breathing out a big, deep breath. And that's okay too. It's really just about like, again, letting your mind settle down for those three minutes. And I love that tool because when you're in labor, if, you know, if you're experiencing labor, the most intense part of it is one minute of intensity and usually about a three minute break. And that um, pattern, even though everyone experiences it slightly different, that's the most common pattern at the end towards like when you're about to give birth. <laughs> uh, right. And so like, first of all, you can do anything for one minute. Right. And so whether that's howling or, you know, uh, singing, or I have heard people say the most beautiful things to their babies during that one minute, um, <laughs> you know, whatever that that moment of intensity is for you, you get this three minute break. And if during your pregnancy, you've been practicing for three minutes to follow your breath and to slow down and be like, okay, I'm breathing in, I am breathing out. And after that contraction, after that moment of intensity, you say, okay, now I am breathing in a deep breath. I am breathing out a deep breath. And you really let yourself relax in between. Like it's, phenomenal how supportive like you'll feel during your labor if you can actually settle that down in between it's I mean that's I I'm a home birth midwife um midwives can work in any birthing facility but I'm a home birth midwife only and you know our uh people always ask again like how do you manage pain well we have water we have you know, being surrounded by your settings, being surrounded by people who love you, who care for you. But in all honesty, 
your, a, your ability to settle down and really take that break in between each one is what gets you through the process. So. I sure wish I had known that <laughs> or had somebody to, you know, coach me because I definitely didn't. Do you have a third um, or just, or just two, two tips for people? Oh yeah, of course. I've got lots of tips. <laughs> How many tips do you want? <laughs> oh my gosh. Three's good. <laughs> three's good. Your top so my, three. I like these. Yeah. My third one then is um, nature. Yeah. Nature? So I call it nature spot. Nature spot. Um, it's essentially finding a place that is easy to access. You know, you can access it any time of day or night. Um, and it's safe, of course. So, you know, I've definitely worked with people in um, city settings um, and areas like that where finding like a, a tree in the neighborhood and making sure that it's a safe surrounding, like, um, you know, can be uh, tricky. But like I, I use my backyard. So it doesn't have to be anything, you know, fancy. Like it doesn't have to be anything in particular. It just needs to be somewhere out in nature. And again, it's the mindfulness techniques. And this one, I usually suggest setting a timer for 15 minutes and it's observing what's around you. So, um, you know, set an intention. What's my intention for this? I'm, I'm going to observe, um, maybe not for pregnant women, the smells. <laughs> I'm going to observe what I hear. I'm going to observe uh, what I feel um, and pick one of those three things. And then, you know, you don't have to close your eyes, but just relax your eyes in some way. Um, whether you focus on a area or a spot. And so you have your 15 minutes set on your timer so that you know, like, You've got other things. I know we're all busy people in the world. I am too, trust me, even though I say the, I'm like, oh yes, I need to do my nature spot today. <laughs> but uh, we, you know, and your intention. Okay, so what do I smell? Like, okay, it smells like fresh air. Oh, I can smell the lilacs in the air. Oh, there's some paint or solvent in the air that I smell, you know, and just really, you know, again, if you need something to come back to, I am breathing in, I am breathing out. But letting yourself be absorbed by nature, it's just, and absorbing it yourself. I mean, sorry, I'm having a little bit of a reflection of, of that term, absorbing each other, absorbing ourselves. Um, my husband and I were having a philosophical conversation this weekend. And we talked about like, like this piece around being loved and being kind of absorbed by somebody else. And so saying that about nature and letting nature like absorb you, like of na nature can handle our fears and our worries and our anxieties. So just like letting, you know, wherever you are in nature, like hold that, like being like, I don't need that. Thank you for taking that from me. Like, thank you for releasing that. The earth is strong. Um, the earth can handle, handle us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we don't just letting ourselves release that to the earth. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like the word absorbed to be by absorbed by the nature. That's, that's nice. I like that. And 15 minutes you're saying for that and for that sitting in someplace that's safe, but outside 
even if it's close by and then um, setting that intention to choose one, right? So that's the yeah. first one, the smell, maybe the smell, the, what you hear and what you see. Yeah, uh, usually because we're so visual species, I usually suggest the smell, the, the hearing or the feeling. Oh, right. So, you know, I might feel the wind on my face. I might feel the heat of the sun. I might feel the cool of the shadow, you know, like, what do I feel? And just like letting myself really experience that. Awesome. If I start to be like, what do I see? Then it's going to turn into like a where's Waldo, <laughs> right. you know, kind of like, I spy yeah. with my little eye, <laughs> this and this and this and this and this. Yes. Then you become the monkey mind, right? In meditation of not doing anything at all. Like, I should just go inside now. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, it's been like two and a half minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> I agree that, yeah, we, we, we rely on our eyes too much, I think. It's interesting because in my job, I have to rely on my hands. Mm, yeah, so, me too. <laughs> great. Yes. Wow. Well, we have so many rabbit holes we can go down. Um, oh, real quick, before we end today. Um, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a good question. Um, so, uh, like I said earlier, a midwife is a healthcare provider. I'm regulated by the state that I live in. Um, I have a national certification and I went to school for four years for midwifery. So I can file birth certificates. Um, like I said, I'm legally regulated by the state board, um, and if we want to change our scope of practice, we have to go through the legislation in order to get our scope of practice changed. Um, a doula is a support person. Um, you can choose to go through training or not as a doula. There are many amazing doulas who don't have any kind of certification. Um, and the doula is really there as a emotional and social support system. So, they're not regulated by, if they're certified, they're regulated by their certifying body, but they're not regulated by the state. They're not legally bound um, by different, you know, boards and medical things. They, they can't file birth certificates. Um, they're not supposed to do anything medical, like take your blood pressure. Um, I was going to say cervical exams. And also I have taught my own clients how to do their own cervical exams. So um, that's kind of, you know, you can do it to yourself, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could take your own blood pressure too with a, you know, a home blood pressure cuff. But, oh. um, but yeah, so they're not supposed to do anything medical, but they can be there to advocate and they can be there to slow time down, which, you know, in the experience of labor, you know, the birthing person is experiencing that. They are like, they're just, they're living the experience. <laughs> and so when a doctor or a nurse comes in and says, okay, we have to do this or that or the other, or this and this and this, or I'm going to take your vitals, whatever it is, a doula who's there can help say, hey, do you have any questions about this? Do you want more information about it? They can, like I said, they can kind of slow time down so that you can kind of reset if you're the person who's giving birth and kind of, you know, take a minute and be like, oh, right. Yeah, I do actually want to ask more questions about this pain medication or this procedure that you want to do or what have you. So, or what's actually happening? Like, what are you guys seeing? I want to know more about 
what you're hearing or what what the concern is. So okay. the doula is there, and 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 also the doula is there to, um, you know, just love on you and support you through every breath, every contraction, every moment. <laughs> They're like a support person. Do they like? I have helped. Um, let's see. Um, I guess. I'm, I'm, gosh, how can I forget these beautiful births, but I have helped as a massage therapist, people in labor, they called me just because they were having pain. Can you just come massage my back for a minute? And then, you know, then went into active labor and like, you know, and I, I stayed and stayed through the whole thing. And, um, such a, such an honor, as you know, um, but I'm not a doula. I'm not, but I still just, um, there's so much they need and, it's so nice just to be right there because, um, and I can't imagine any of you that it gave birth during the pandemic without support. I just hug you now because yeah. I can't imagine what that was like. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's such an honor if you have that opportunity for, but my question, I get lost in these rabbit holes is, um, are some doulas, are they massage therapists too? Do you know? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely a transitional um, space. And I would say that in that moment, you were a doula and, <laughs> and also a massage therapist. You know, anyone who's supporting someone, and that's why I say there are lovely doulas who are not certified by any certifying body, um, because it's really that person who is there to love and support you. Sometimes that can be a parent, you know, like, the person's mother and that there's tricky relationships between mothers and daughters. Um, <laughs> but, um, but that might be the person who is there to support you. Um, and so in that moment, they, they could be the doula, um, but doulas are usually a little bit more specialized and also being able to um, not necessarily advocate, but see where advocation is needed and to be able to, again, slow time down just a little bit to help the people who need to advocate for themselves have to those think, conversations. Right. To, yeah, to think and, yeah. and to say, it, oh, wait, yeah, I see this, this, um, like this one thing could lead to these 10 other things and you wanted to stop or like, you didn't want to lead to those 10 other things. So let's pause the conversation here and get more information before yes. we get into all of the other things. Right. Like the heat, I was just about to say, I was interrupting you. I'm sorry. Like the heat of the moment, you can't, you're not thinking about what to ask the doctor. You're trying to stay alive in your mind, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm dying of pain, but yeah, the, uh, yeah. and I can see how the doula or the, or the mom or just your person can kind of step back and look at reality for that moment and be like, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's, what do we need here? What do you need to ask? Um, I think that's so important and it's, and I think also like if someone is, if, if someone's listening to this and they're about to go support someone in a, uh, in, in a labor situation, like to maybe to do some, if you are just a mom or if you're not trained to do a little bit of research, <laughs> what do you think just before, Yeah. I mean, to say, okay, I don't know. I mean, you can't go, you know, take a whole course, but um, we just do a little bit of research of how you can help. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's two books by Penny Simpkins who. How do you spell that? Simpkin. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, I'm writing um, it down. I got it. Penny Simpkin wrote two books. Um, one is the Labor Progress Handbook, which that might be a little advanced for just kind of, you know, a friend helping out a friend. Right. Um, but it does have really amazing positional changes and things like that when somebody needs different support methods. Um, and then she also wrote the birth partner. There's more to the title, but I can just see the birth partner in my head right now. She no wrote problem. I'll look it up. another book called The Birth Partner. And that one has excellent tips and tricks. Um, if there are any dads who are going into the situation, that book is the one to get um, because it is just really helpful. supportive. Yeah, and helpful. And it, it's good for friends and things like that that are going to support people. So again, it's, wow. you know, the nice thing about hiring a doula is that you get that extra, like, human who's like I've been through this path I know the journey like let me support you but yeah when you have a friend or family member coming it might be helpful for them to kind of like um you know figure out the best ways that they can support you during your your labor okay I would love to um I would love to talk to you maybe a whole other session on postpartum and what people can expect and what they can do for themselves or for their partner, for someone around them, because I think it's, it's, um, it's ignored and it's, uh, you know, like a lot of our mental, you know, issues in our society, kind of people will hope it'll just get better and maybe, you know, full, how would, would you, would you be willing to come and do another session and um, talk about that? Yes, of course. I love talking about postpartum. Yeah. And I actually, my, my in-person private practice, um, I have three extra visits. So I always felt like the six weeks was never adequate. I was like, that seems silly <laughs> that we're, you know, supporting people all through their pregnancy, the birth, and then only through six weeks postpartum, like, no. And so I always had three extra visits um, at 12 weeks, 24 weeks, and 48 weeks, which takes us about through the first year postpartum. And to me, that always made it so that somebody, that the, the the mom knew that she could contact a healthcare provider at any time during that first year postpartum. And so, yeah, that's why I like that online coaching piece. Like, you know, there's a lot of childbirth education and things like that that are prenatal, but they don't usually encompass that postpartum piece. And that's why I feel like it's so valuable and important that I'm just like, no, we're going to, we're going to hold all of it. <laughs> so. I agree. I think the postpartum is, is like, I remember feeling bad but not not having time like like I, I'm caring for my baby and I'm learning about that and I'm I, I didn't ignore myself but I had no idea that I was that I was experiencing postpartum even my husband was like you have to get some help and I'm like for what <laughs> what do you mean and uh-huh. like absolutely not aware and um but there's just so, cause I'm the, a new baby is so new. You know, you're not sleeping. And then you're, you know, you're trying to do everything, you know, be the perfect mom. And, um, and it's all about momming and the kid instead of about, you know, my mental health. And I, it was really easy to ignore that. And I would love to, um, and like what I could do as a massage therapist or, you know, as a friend, how can you support that gently? Cause I remember, <laughs> I was not, I was not going to have it. You know what I mean? I was not going to hear that. 
And I know friends of mine are the same way to where um, when you're in that position, like, do not say that. And yeah. um, maybe there's different ways to, um, to mention it in a way that's, that's, that they can hear. I wasn't able to hear it. And um, so I'd love to, you know, keep picking your brain. Yeah, no, stay tuned. That is going to be a great conversation as well. Yeah. Um, and just as a as a little tidbit, um, you know, like I said, during labor, you're having the actual experience, you're living the experience. And so, you know, postpartum, you're also living the experience with another human that is 100% dependent on you, essentially. <laughs> you know, whether you choose to breastfeed or not, like that little human is dependent on the care providers around them, you know, the adults that are in their, in, in the vicinity. And so um, there is a way to hold that space and allow somebody to experience it while also supporting like your wholeness as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. I, it does make sense to me now, you know? Yeah. 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 Of course. Uh, looking back, you know, my daughter's 20. So, um, it was a long time ago, but it seems like yesterday I swear it's, it just goes so fast. It's a blink of an eye. Well, Cheryl, thanks so much for being here for our first interview. It's just so, so I just think you're lovely. And so tell me, I'm going to have all your links, but what, what do you want people, what do you want people to do to get a hold of you? If you, what would you like the one thing you'd like them to do to get a hold of you? You want them to go to your website? Do you want them to join your challenge? What would you like? Yeah. Um, so if they're pregnant, um, join the five-week challenge is the best bet to get into my realm. Um, they'll get five daily tips and they can join the Facebook group, which um, has lots of support and videos and content in there. Um, and if they're postpartum or beyond postpartum, then um, go to... The website and they can find um, some other coaching options in the, on the website. Great. And your, your website is yourthrivingpregnancy.com, correct? Yes. Okay. We'll have that in the notes, but just so we have it um, in, in, if someone can't see the notes, yourthrivingpregnancy.com. Excellent, Cheryl. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I can't wait to have you back soon. Thanks for having me, Ruth. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.